All right, I think we're good now. All right. It reminds me of a time I was at a youth rally. I was, had about two minutes to speak. It was one of those things where they like, like, get like 10 guys, two minutes each, and my mic goes out. So I, I drop the mic, you know, and then I just start as loud as I can. I'm, it's probably 500 kids in that auditorium. And, uh, and I preached solid for two minutes and uh, as loud as I could. And uh, it just kind of reminded me of that anyway. Um, well, good morning. Great to see you today. Are you glad to be in the house of God? Amen. Amen. We're right in the middle of our 14 days of prayer as a church. And I wanted to continue to admonish you and encourage you to go online to our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. Or if you Google churches in Jackson, you'll see us on about five or six churches down listed there and just hit our website and go to uh, you'll see the icon for prayer go to that and there are daily devotionals uh, that we've provided for you uh, written by many different folks here in our church a few of our staff members as well and those are just there to help encourage you inspire you and uh, build your faith as you get in the in the word and and kind of inspired to pray and so in ending our time of prayer over these 14 days, this coming Saturday, the 24th, yes, the 24th, this Saturday at 10 a.m., I invite you to come at 10 o'clock for corporate prayer here at church. And I'd uh, love to see you if you can make that as we conclude our time of praying together as a church family. And we will be praying for one another and praying about a lot of different things. Uh, as you go out of our uh, out of the gym, as you exit those doors, you'll see a new thing on the wall, a prayer wall that we've put up this week. It's a I encourage you to stop by and look at it, and uh, it's just a thing to constant kind of be reminded to joggle our memory. Oh yeah, I should pray more than I do. And um, but on there, it's got a it's got a poster of uh, the persecuted church in the world. And just a reminder for us to pray for the persecuted believers around the world, but also our missionaries that we currently support, as well as there are little cards that you can fill out if you have a prayer request or a testimony, a testimony that you want to write down uh, and drop it in the basket, and, um, and we'll be praying for you throughout the week, okay? And so just remember that. Testimony today, once one giant step for you so far, Angelique, is you've gotten your arm brace off. Praise God. That's huge. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, but you've, you've still got a few steps to take, I hear. But, um, but listen, what a remarkable journey of faith and God's faithfulness. As we sang earlier, we will not forget. I couldn't help but picture you in my mind, you know, that you were singing that. I didn't look over at you, but I just kind of thought, man, God has been with you, and, um, and he's not forgotten you, and he's not going to leave you. And so continue in God's journey of moving forward in your healing and your restoration. Amen? Continue to remember her. Pastor Lindsay talked a lot about our, our outreach um, opportunities, and one of the things I just wanted to, to add on to that is we don't only want us as a church to just be bringers of resources or items, 
but we also want to be bringers of people in the sense that if you want to volunteer and be an outreach leader uh, in this ministry, all you've got to do is let us know. And, uh, and we will talk to you, show you what's going on and how, to, how that kind of functions and what that role entails. Uh, it does not pay anything, um, but it's just part of our uh, uh, opportunity to raise people up to be leaders and reach out on behalf of New Life Church to the community. So keep that in mind as well. All right, well, let's get into the Word today. You guys ready for the Word of God? All right, and I invite you to open up to Old Testament Ezra, the book of Ezra. We were in this book a few weeks ago on Heart for the House Sunday, and we're going to return to it for today. Ezra chapter 3, and then kind of in the middle of the Bible, Proverbs. Proverbs 19. Ezra 3 and Proverbs 19. And these will also be on the screen behind me follow along. Let's read Ezra chapter 3 verse 1. He says, in early autumn or fall, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people, can everybody say all, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. Can you say purpose? Let's flip over to Proverbs 19 verse 21. It says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Can you say purpose again? You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for this gathering today. We ask that you would now speak to us from your word, guide us, direct us, and lead us. May our hearts and ears be open. May our eyes be open to see as we read your word together, the revelation, the illumination of what it is, that it's life-giving, it's life-changing, it's life-benefiting. Help us to get what we need to get today, and help me to speak it the way I should, the way you want. We honor you and we thank you today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate you, my friend. I want to talk to you today about a subject called the gracious hand of the Lord. The gracious hand of the Lord. Quick backstory to this Ezra thing is they had been, the Israelites had been in captivity in Babylon. They'd been in exile for quite some time. They were returning to Jerusalem, and this actually was happening because it was a prophecy that Jeremiah prophesied years before, and it was time for it to come to pass. And so, a little side note, some, sometimes when God speaks to our life, a prophetic word, it might not be for that moment, but it might be for later on. That's why we can never forget. We sang a song, we will not forget. You can't forget. You've heard me talk about that a lot. Uh, over time about not forgetting the prophecies that God has spoken to your life. Remember them. And so it came to pass because of that. God spoke it, Jeremiah declared it, and it was time for it to be fulfilled. And so that's what was going on. They were returning to Jerusalem and they were going to rebuild the temple. It had been destroyed, the temple of God. And, um, and so they went and they started the work. 
First, to rebuild the altars, a place of sacrifice, a.k.a. where a place of repentance. Then they started building the foundation of the temple, then working on rebuilding the temple itself. And, but the time frame of this was early fall, early autumn, early fall, when all the people were settled, assembled, and unified together in purpose. Can you say purpose? All right, purpose. And... The fall is a great time, naturally speaking, uh, for, for us. It's a, it's a great season. I don't know if you like it or not. I like fall. I like all the seasons, but I really like fall. But the fall is a great time, a great season for, for the, us as a church, for you and I as believers to reaffirm and affirm our commitment to Christ, our spiritual commitment to the Lord, our relational commitment together to one another as a church body as well as our commitment to the purpose that God has for every single one of our lives. In other words, being in agreement with what God wants to do with your life. And that's where these folks found themselves. These folks here in Ezra found themselves in this place where, hey, we're going to be in agreement with what God wants to do. We're going to be in agreement with what God wants to do with our life. I might not get it all. I might not understand it all. I might not really see all the details of it, per se. Most of the time, that's how it works. But it, we trust God, and I believe in God, and therefore I'm going to put my hope in Him, and I'm going to be in agreement with Him, meaning I'm going to line my life up with His Word, and I'm going to aim my life in His direction, and I'm going to put my faith out there to walk in His ways, even when I don't even fully understand it all, I'm going to trust God. In other words, God, I want your purpose to prevail in my life. I get plans, I have plans, I have dreams, I have ideas, I have wishes, and I have places I want to go, people I want to see, things I want to do, but God, ultimately, I want your purpose to prevail in my life over what my flesh wants to do, over what my ego wants to do, over what my 10-year dream plan wants to do. God, more than anything, I want your purpose to prevail in my life. Anybody follow me? So that's where these folks found themselves, found themselves in this, in this position. Now, here's the thing. During this time, they were doing what God wanted them to do. They were in agreement with what God wanted for their life, but yet they encountered setbacks, they encountered opposition, and they encountered delays. Anybody ever encounter a setback of any kind in life? Nobody here? Okay, I'll go preach to somebody who, who's had some problems in their life before. Uh, yeah. Anybody had any delays in their life? Any detours? Yeah, how, how about some opposition? Things against you? Yeah, that happens to us. And you might find yourself yet still doing what God wants to do. Your life is in agreement with what God wants for your life, walking in His ways and His purpose, yet you still experience those types of things. That happens. It was happening here. It was happening here. And so, but one of the unique things about this story that I've discovered, the common thread in this story is this, is that you see the relevance, the significance of the gracious hand of God on their life. The gracious hand of God on their lives. So I want to take a few minutes and we're going to look through a couple of chapters here. Flip over to chapter 7, Ezra chapter 7. And we're going to look at 
what I call the five fingers of God's gracious hand. How many fingers do we typically have? Five, unless you're one of the giants in, the, in Gath. They had one, one giant had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. Uh, Scary-looking fella. But most have five. The five fingers of God's gracious hand. And let's look here, verse 1, real quick. It says, Many years later, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, there was a man named Ezra. He was the son of Zerariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shalom, son of Zadok, son of Ahitub, son of Amariah, son of Azariah, son, and it goes on and on down, and it ultimately ends with he's the son of Aaron the priest. So in other words, Ezra came from Aaron, who was Moses' right-hand guy, who was the priest. Ezra descends from that genealogy, meaning he was also a priest. Okay, verse 6, first part of verse 6. This Ezra was a scribe who was well-versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. Now, why is that so important to take note of? First and foremost, he's a priest, he was a scribe, meaning he was responsible for counting and recounting history and events and keeping track of those things. But also, it says he was well-versed in the Law of Moses. The Law of Moses is the first five books of the Bible, which is also called the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Now, that's important because it said he was well-versed in that because of what that means. The first five books of the Bible do a lot of things for us as Christians in faith, in history, in all those things. It establishes the foundation of theology for the rest of the Bible, for the rest of the Word. It teaches us a lot of different things. It, it introduces us to the purposes and the plans of God, how God has a, has a reason in how He moves. It also introduces us to how sin entered the world, and then how God, what God's response is to sin, and it carries you through that, talks about that. And then it, the first five books of the Bible also teaches us how, how we can gain some insight into God's relationship, personal relationship with mankind. And it teaches us how to know some of God's character, His character, and His nature. So that's that's why that's important. So Ezra, being well-versed in that, understood this huge, special, significant thing of recognizing and adhering to the gracious hand of God on their life. There's something to be said about that. There's something special about that. And so the reality of having the hand of God on our life is significant. You might have heard this, if you've been in church for four minutes, you've heard some people say, the hand of God is on them, or the hand of God is on me, the hand of God is with them, may the hand of God be with you. And there's a lot of references in the Bible about the hand of God, and particularly here there's five in Ezra's story. So let's look at these five today. The five fingers of the gracious hand of God. Let's look at this, the second half of verse 6. Ezra said, Ezra came up to Jerusalem from Babylon, and the king gave him everything he asked for. Here it is. Watch this. Wait for it. Because the gracious hand of the Lord his God was with him. The king gave Ezra everything he asked for because the gracious hand of the Lord his God 
was with him. This first finger is the finger of favor. The finger of favor. What does favor have to do with anything? Some of you might be here today and be like, I, what, what is, what's the big deal of that? Favor. Well, it's huge. Just like God's hand is huge. Look at Proverbs 16, 15 with me on the screen. It says this. It says, when the king smiles, there is life. His favor refreshes like a spring rain. His favor means goodwill, acceptance, and pleasure. In, Gen in uh, Luke chapter 1, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, was scared by the visitation of the angel Gabriel when he came to announce that how Jesus was going to be born, she was going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit and all those things. She was afraid, yeah. And he said, hey, don't be afraid because you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God, that which affords joy and pleasure and divine influence upon the heart. Divine influence upon the heart. Favor, the favor of God. Other people might say the favor of God. Sometimes I find myself saying the favor. The favor of God. It's not like this. It's not like, say, hey, can you do me a favor? Usually when people ask to do you a favor, um, then, you, then it usually means I got to reciprocate it later. I got to do something else for you later. Sometimes, not always, but that's not the same favor. The finger of God's favor in our life. Remember, this favor, this, this, what I'm talking about, the hand of God in our life is attached to we agree with what God wants to do in our life. Not just for anybody. God's hand in our life, it, it's not just for anybody. It's not just because we say we're Christian or we just go to church or any of that. It's, no, it's those who say, I am in agreement, God, with what you want to do in my life. I'm going to live for your purpose and your glory. Not Christian in name only. I'm going to live for your glory. I want your purpose to prevail. So it's the favor of God. Here's the deal. God's favor on a person's life can open doors that no man can open. It can also close doors that no man can close. God's favor in a person's life can open up opportunities that no other thing could ever do for you. If you haven't yet, you will find yourself in a place of life where, you, where if it is not but for the help of God, there is no way for this to happen. Some of you have had promotions, not because you were just good at your job. You might be qualified for it, but there might be others qualified for it too. But you knew this is what you wanted. You felt this is what God said, and God's favor came down on you. God's uh, finger of favor just went boop. And what does it do? What did uh, Proverbs say? When the king smiles, there's life. It's, refreshes, it's refreshing like a spring rain. Who controls the hearts of kings? says in other Proverbs, it said he uh, controls them like the courses of a river. In other words, God can, churn, can turn hearts. God can change hearts. There'll be some stubborn, ungodly, rebellious, hard-working people in your life who, who, who could care less about anything you want. All they care about is the bottom dollar in their company. But when God's favor is on you, there is not a darn thing, excuse me, that they can do. 
right? There's not a thing that they can do when God's finger of favor is pointed in your direction. Nothing can stand in its way. And that's what was happening here with Ezra. He got everything he asked for because the gracious hand of God was on him. Why? Because he was in agreement with what God wanted to do with his life. Amen? Let's look at the next one. Verse 8. It said, Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in August of that year. He arranged to leave Babylon on April 8th, the first day of the new year, and he arrived at Jerusalem on August 4th. Here it is. Wait for it. For the gracious hand of his God was on him. He arrived where he was supposed to be because the gracious hand of God was on him. This is what I call the, the second one, the finger of completion. Look at this verse, Philippians 1.6. Paul writes this. <coughs> he says, I am certain. Anybody ever been certain of anything before and actually been right about it? That's a good feeling. I am certain that God, who began, what? The good work within you. There's a good work inside of you. That God will continue His work until it is finally finished. Can you say finished? On the day when Christ Jesus returns. So in other words, until Jesus comes back or you die and go to be with Him, He's still going to be working on us. That's good for me, good for you, good for us as individuals, but it's also good in relationships that there's still room and time for God to change some things in people's lives, in our own lives. But here we see Ezra, he arrived where he was needing to get to, where he needed to be, and he got there because he says, because of the gracious hand of of the Lord his God was on him. God's plan for our life will continue to completion as long as his hand is on your life. How many of you want to get where God wants you to be? How many of you want to be who God wants you to be? How many of you want to do what God wants you to do? Then friend, I got to tell you, we need God's hand on our life. If I'm going to have God's hand on my life, then I got to be in agreement with what God wants to do in my life. I can't be wishy-washy. I can't be a fence rider. You know what that is? Can't play both sides. No, you got to decide, you got to determine, and you got to commit one way or the other. And if you want God's hand in your life, where well, He'll bring favor to you, and He'll help you get where you need to get, be who you're called to be, and do what He wants your life to be, and, and accomplish what He wants you to do, then, friend, you need God's hand. It ain't going to happen without it. I couldn't tell you how many times over the last 25 years of knowing the Lord and walking with Him that there are things that just don't make sense, but because I was in agreement with God's purpose and His will for my life, even when I didn't understand it, He had a way of helping me get to where I needed to get. When I was afraid, when I was lonely, when I felt isolated, when I was depressed, when I didn't have but 12 cents to my name, how in the world am I going to do whatever it is you want? Somebody know what I'm talking about? And... It's only because God's hand was on my life. You're with who you're with today. You are who you are today because somehow God says, I need to be involved. 
And somewhere there was an opening, somewhere there was a window, somewhere there was an altar in your life that you said, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I need you to help me get to where I need to get. Ezra recognized this. May we recognize this. Let's go on. Number three. Everybody rolling with me? Verse 28, chapter 7, 28. Ezra said, and praise God for demonstrating such unfailing love to me by honoring me before the king, his council, and all his mighty nobles. That's huge. And he said this, I felt encouraged. Can you say encouraged? I felt encouraged because the gracious, here it is, hand of the Lord, my God, was on me. I felt encouraged because of the gracious hand of the Lord, my God, was on me. Let's look at this in Psalms uh, chapter 18. David, here's the deal to this, this psalm right here. David and his mighty men had just got through killing the other four giants in the land of the Philistines from Gath. You know, David killed one when he was a teenager. Then later on in his life, his mighty men and him, they killed the other four. That was one of the ones that had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each, on each foot and all that. Yeah, and, and, and he, so God had just completely taken care of all his enemies. He just delivered him. And here's what David says, that in your strength I can crush an army, and with my God... I can scale any wall. Has anybody ever felt like that before? You were so pumped up full of holy, courageous faith that it, you, could, you felt like you could fly. I've, I've felt like that before, and I don't walk in that zone every day. I wish I did, but I don't. But there are those moments that I felt like, man, I could crush an army right now. I could walk up into something and tear it up. You know what I'm saying? I, I felt like David. I could scale any wall. Anybody watch American Ninja Warrior? If you do, you want to admit it? Like, I could fly through that course right now. Not now, but if when I felt full of real faith. You know what I'm saying? What's the next verse say? It says, God arms me with strength and he makes my way perfect. Keep going. He makes me sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory, and oh, wait for it, look, your right hand supports me. Your help has made me great. And you have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. When Ezra said, I felt encouraged, what he was really saying is, I felt strong and courageous. It's really what the word means. I felt strong and courageous. Anybody ever felt strong and courageous for something? You know that, what it's like. You feel strong and courageous to face something. And that's what Ezra felt like. He said, I felt encouraged. I felt strong and courageous because the gracious hand of God was on my life. Joshua, when it was time for him to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, Moses, has, had, he was dead, died, he passed. Joshua's turn. God said, Joshua, here's the deal. You need to be strong and very courageous. You need to be strong 
and very courageous. You need to be strong and very courageous. He told him that three times. Be strong and very courageous. And Ezra, I felt strong and very courageous because the gracious hand of my God was on me. Friend, if you're ever going to face, we sang this earlier, face your giants. If you're ever going to face your lions, if you're ever going to face obstacles, setbacks, de delays, detours, whatever, you got to have God's strength and God's courage. And here's the deal, God wants you to, He wants to give you His strength and His courage. Some of you, are lacking strength and courage right now. Whatever it is you've been facing or whatever it is that stands in front of you, you're lacking some strength and courage. But the Lord wants you to know, He said, I have strength for you. I have courage for you. That you can do this. You can do this. You can be like David's voice in Psalm 18 where I can face and I can crush an army, man, and I can scale a wall. Whatever army stands in front of you, whatever wall is an obstacle right now in your life, put your hope and faith in, in God. Put agreement in what God wants to do with your life and it says God's hand will be on you to give you strength and courage. Anybody need strength and courage? Because let's face it, there's some issues in life that's hard. There's some stuff that's, that's just difficult to deal with, right? And man, if you're going to keep your sanity, and you're going to win, and you're going to succeed, and you're going to be victorious, and you're going to get to where God wants you to get, and all those things, and be who He wants you to be, you need His hand on your life. Don't go through life wherever you're at right now, period. Don't go through life dodging His hand because you're going to miss the strength that He wants to give you to walk through what it is you're facing. And it is, it is possible with God's hand in your life. Amen? Let's look at number four quickly. Number four, go over to chapter eight. Number three was the finger of encouragement. You guys rolling with me? Okay. Uh, chapter 8, verse, verse 18. Ezra says, since... Wait for it. There it is. It's amazing. It's amazing. See the fingerprint of God's hand in this story. It's pretty cool. Since the gracious hand of our God was on us, they sent us a man named Sherebiah along with 18 of his sons and brothers. And he was a very astute man and a descendant of Mali, who was a descendant of Levi, the son of Israel, also known as Jacob. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob came from Jacob's side. This fourth finger is what I call the finger of help or what God calls the finger. I don't call any of this his word. It's what he says. The finger of help. Here they were faced with doing their, the, God's purpose in their life, and they needed a certain kind of help in order to fulfill it, in order to do it. And they, Ezra asked, and what happened? 
gracious hand of God was on them. God sent them the help that they needed. Sherebiah and his 18 sons, and the list goes on, and, and naming some others. He was an astute man, meaning he was smart, he was intelligent, he was successful. In Acts chapter 16, I think it is, yeah, Acts chapter 16, there's a story where Paul has a vision. And he has a vision of a man in Macedonia who's crying out, saying, come over and help us. So after Paul has that vision, he gets up, he perceives this must be the Lord. We're going to go to Macedonia, what preachers call the Macedonian call. The Macedonian call, calling for help. And Paul talks about it in, in 1 Corinthians as well. But this is Macedonian call, he said, we need your help. So Paul and his friends, they go. They go to help, they go to preach the gospel there. They needed to hear it. They were uneducated in what was true. And so Paul went to help. Here's the thing I want to say about, about that. Ezra got the help he needed. Macedonia got the help they needed. When God's hand is on your life, you will get the help you need. You need answers? God's got them. But put your life in agreement with His purpose, and you'll get the help that you need. Quit trying to face your problems, your issues, whatever it is, all by yourself. Trying to contain it in a small wall so that other people won't know and other people won't find out. Because when that happens, then that means nobody can help you. If you want to walk in God's ways, then His hand will bring you the help that you need. But ask. Ezra, ask. Other scripture says what? You have not because you ask God for wisdom and He will give it. I ask for wisdom every single day. Sometimes that wisdom will come through experience. Sometimes that wisdom will come through conversation. Sometimes that wisdom will come by reading. And other times that wisdom will come by supernatural. It'll come in different ways, but if we won't get the help we need, we don't ask for it. And it's not enough just to ask for help if you're not willing to walk in God's agreement in your life in His ways, in His purpose. You want the help for your life? Line your life up in agreement with what God wants. Walk that way, and God's hand is on you, and He'll get you the help you need. I'm reminded by a story I heard, and it's probably told in different forms. Some of you know this story, I'm sure. But there was, there was this um, rising flood in this particular part of the town, and it was rising rather quickly. And the guy in, that, in, that, in his house was a, was a believer and he prayed for help. God, I need your help. Send some help. Get me help to get out of here. Well, the floods were rising, so he got up on, onto his roof of his house. And there was a, a canoe that came by, a raft. 
And the guy said, hey, in the rap, you need help? I'll take you where you need to go. No, help's on the way. God's going to send me help. God's going to get me out of here. All right, all right. A little while later, man, those floodwaters are coming up. A boat comes by. Guy in the boat says, you need my help? Take you where you need to go. Guy on the roof says, no, I pray God's going to get me help. He'll get me the help I need to get out of here. Well, a little bit later, I mean, he was barely, his, I mean, it was right there. He was standing on his toes on the top of his roof, man. It was close. And a helicopter comes, drops down a, a, a ladder and says, you need our help to get out of here. We'll take you where you need to go. No, God is going to get me out of here. He's going to get me. He's the help I need. Well, the guy drowns. He dies. Goes to heaven. He's talking to whomever. Why did I die? Why did I come? What's the deal? I thought I asked for help, God. What's the problem? He's like, help? What more help do you need? I sent a raft, I sent a boat, I sent a helicopter, and you declined all the help I sent you. Sometimes help does not come in the packages we think it should. Right? So be careful of the kind of help you decline because it very well could be God trying to get you the help you need. Now I get it. I was, I was one of these people once. I was, a, I was a teenager, believe it or not. I don't want to be like I'm ganging up on you, but you're all sitting on this side today. Well, wait, I see a few teenagers around here, right? Some of you feel young at heart? Yeah. I know you don't always agree with what your folks tell you. But listen, there's love wrapped in those words. There's love wrapped in there. I know all of your folks, but, but yours. But you're here today. You've got questions. You've got pressure. But you also have a lot of opportunities. Every single one of you do. I just feel like the Spirit of the Lord wants to just let you know, remind you. Listen to the right voices that are speaking into your life today. Listen to them. Don't ignore them. And don't think, what do they know? Your parents know more than you think, okay? Parents know more than you think. I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying they're always right. Right, Mom and Dad? We're not always right. We get it wrong sometimes. But listen, they got it right here today because where are you sitting? In church. And what happens in church, generally speaking? Prayer. Encouragement, love, guidance, guidance, guidance. Never discount God's hand on your life. Never discount it. Never discount it. Because what God wants to do with your life is greater than any dream you have ever had. It's bigger than any plan you can perceive. And guess what? 
it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. Help. All kinds of help around for all of us. But we won't get it if we don't line up and be in agreement with what God wants for our life. Right? Last finger, quickly. See, the thing is, at the right time, God will send the right help your way. In our eyes or our time scale, it might seem late. It might seem overdue. But at the right time, God has a right time. And at the right time, He will send the right help. Verse 21, chapter 8, verse 21, says this. Ezra says, And there by the Ahava Canal I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before God. We prayed that He would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children and our goods, as we traveled. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from the enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king, here it is, our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, all who are in agreement with his purpose for our life. But his fierce anger is against those who abandoned him. Verse 23, so we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and he heard our prayer. Verse 31, we broke camp at the Ahava Canal, and on April 19th started off to Jerusalem. Here it is. Wait for it. And the gracious hand of our God protected us and saved us from our enemies and the bandits along the way. So we arrived safely in Jerusalem where we rested for three days. This fifth finger of God's hand is what we call the finger of care. And Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, he said, Cast all your cares upon God. Why? Because He cares for you. And in Jesus is recorded in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, summarizing, saying, hey, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. I will show you the care that you need. Right? Care. Let's look at this Psalm 91. It's on the screen. You come on up, Jake. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. My place of safety, He is my God, and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers, He will shelter you with His wings, and His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. 
Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home. For He will order His angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Wow. Now here's the issue with this. We're human, there's sin in this world. The fall of man happened a long time ago. Therefore, there's problems, there's evil. There's way big issues going on. We're bound to go through some things. But I'd rather live my life believing that God is true to His Word and that somehow, through it all, He looks after my life that I don't want to go through life all by myself, outside of His will, outside of His purpose, thinking I'm man enough, big enough, that I, can, that I can possibly conceive of every contingency that I would ever face. And me and me alone, by my own might, by my own wisdom, by my own ability, be able to accomplish it. I'd rather go through things knowing that God is with me than go through things knowing that he's not. Because in the end, life really is about eternity. It's not about the earthly. It's not about the temporal. It's about eternity. Because eternity, friends, never ends. And we get one side or the other. You get eternal life, which is what I've read about, is good or eternal damnation, and from what I've read about, is bad. If any one of us think any of the hell you and I walk through on earth is pretty bad, multiply that by the highest number you could possibly think, and that's what eternity will be like apart from Jesus. This is not a scare tactic or any of that. It's just the humble, honest truth of what God says in His Word. But listen, friend. Listen, family. Listen. God wants His hand on your life, not to control you, because He still gives you and I the free will of choice every day we wake up. But He wants us to choose His hand, be in agreement with His will, walk in His purpose. Therefore, we get God's hand on our life. You get His favor. You get His completion, what He wants to do in you, what He wants to do with you, where He wants you to go, who He wants you to be. You get His strength and His courage. You get His help. And man get his care. 
You and I can't possibly think of all the times that God has protected us when we didn't even know it. Right? So many times God looks out. Is it wrong to pray for protection or God's care or His safety? No. Ezra did it. Others did it. I do it. I pray it every day over my family. But we got to be careful that we don't live in fear. We've got to be bold enough to trust God enough that, hey, God knows what He's doing. Can we stand to our feet?